Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends, Don Harris here. You're listening to the Words of Jesus series. And uh, we are in chapter 30 of our little book called The Words of Jesus. And enjoying walking through the red ink. Um, you might want to take a look at the bottoms of your feet. If they're starting to get stained with red, we're on our way. <laughs> the idea is for us to learn to think red ink. And we're just going to have to wade through this until it starts to stick. And, um, and as it does, you're going to find your life just gets better and better. Uh, I try to encourage people to, to know that um, because I tell them, you know, you should, you, the, you know the, um, the third principle that I try to get across to people is, is we need to have some time every day to hear the voice of God. Notice I didn't say that we need to pray every day because people don't understand that what was prayer years ago, which was taking time every day to hear the voice of God for ourselves, uh, has now turned into this lecture series that uh, we assume God has signed up for, that every day he stops at a certain time to listen to what it is you have to say. Uh, I don't know why you think that you're going to tell him something that he doesn't know. Uh, most people who believe in, in uh, this uh, daily um, uh, it, it, monologue that they have with God are usually people who believe that God is omniscient. He knows everything. And uh, so... They, they struggle with the thought from time to time, if God knows everything, then why do I need to pray? Well, Jesus asked the same question. Don't you know my Father knows you have need of all these things? So what is this time that you're talking about? Well, the time is to listen. And, um, and so I want to encourage you. Uh, you. You have to know that because you don't necessarily hear a voice in your ear, you don't hear any rumblings coming up from inside you unless it's been very close to some meal, uh, so what are we listening for? What do we want to hear from God? And, uh, and, and frankly, why don't we hear it? Uh, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, I've been, I've been practicing that, you know, for a couple, three days or whatever, and I ain't heard no voice. And uh, okay, I, I understand that, but I'm afraid you might have misunderstood what I've been trying to tell you. And that is that God has a relationship Friend, at the beginning, God has a relationship not with you, but with that seed that's a, that is within you. And uh, so it's, it, it, it's nourishment for this seed, this, this umbilical between that, that we participate in every day, that we listen to the voice of God. This is how this seed is, uh, receives its nutrient. It's how, it's how this comes to fruition in our life. It's how this... This baby is brought to the birth. And, um, and there'll be times when you're going to think that this is all just a waste of time. Um, but you're going to be embarrassed one day if your attitude is this doesn't work. Because uh, if you continue doing this, if you continue at least opening yourself to uh, the, the voice of God. And, and, I, and I know I run a risk every time I say voice. People think I'm talking about words coming through heaven into your ears. And when I talk about he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And you talk about, you know, the, the word of God, the voice of God. And if, you're, if you don't look at this thing in, in a spiritual way, yeah, you're going to miss what it's actually 
uh, saying to us. And that is that there, there's a, a, a nutrition that we have to have with our Father. And without it, um, I'm afraid that the, the child that is within us, that, uh, that seed of Christ, we could easily miscarry this. And as, as long as uh, that is alive in us, uh, we may not have manifestation, physical or audible manifestations that we can put our finger on and say, you know, that, this is the Lord speaking to me, as so many people are so, they say so easily, you know, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. And I understand what they're trying to say, but you know, you're just confusing the issue for people who are sincerely trying to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves. Um, now, in, in these particular cases, what you're going to find is, is what I find many people do, and it, and it happens to many people, and that is that they find themselves in a situation way after the time of prayer, days, months, perhaps even years, that they have been practicing this and, and living this way. They find coming from within them uh, the ability to handle a certain situation that would have literally destroyed them, would have literally killed them a year ago had that come about in their life without having these conversations, essentially conversations with God. And you're going to find yourself using wisdom that you never even felt like you had, uh, citing knowledge that there's no way you could even have such a thing. You're going to walk into situations that were doomed to, destined to explode in your face a year ago, but now you walk into it and you find you having said the right thing to the right person at the proper time and totally diffusing a situation that would have destroyed you and perhaps people you love, uh, perhaps cost you thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, perhaps cost you years off of your life. It would have, it would have, but not now. Well, what is that? Man, that's the voice of God training us and teaching us. Um, we have a, um, a DVD series uh, here at TRI called On Guidance. Uh, it's about six hours of teaching. And um, in all that, uh, I try to explain this, that um, many times um, the, the voice of God manifests itself to us not in an immediate way, but in this way of us just getting better and we really don't even know it until the pressure's on, until the problems actually come. And it might occur to you the next day, perhaps next week, perhaps a month from then, oh my goodness, I can't believe I handled that with that kind of finesse. I really don't hate that guy. I really did forgive him. How did that happen? We're, st you know, we're still friends even after he cheated me. Um, you know, I, I can hardly even remember what he's done. Uh, he's, you know, the, the Lord has restored fourfold anything that was ever taken from me. And, you know, how did all this happen? How did this come about? Didn't come about by Sunday school. No, it comes about because we be, we're made better every day by giving the Lord a chance to converse with that seed within us to, to, until Christ be formed in you. I mean, that's what this is all about. I don't need to be my best, be the best me I can be. I know the best me I can be, and it ain't much. But I, what I want to do 
is I want to be a container of the, the, the personage of Jesus Christ himself. I want to think red ink. I want to live in that way. I want to live like he lived and think like he thought. That's what I want. I don't want to be the best me I can be. Uh, I want to be the best me that uh, he had intended for me to be all along. There's only one way to do that. Now, as Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God, and by the way, all the things we're talking about right now, this is life in the kingdom of God. Um, This is not life subject to the politicians of the day, the laws of the day, the judicial system of today, you know, our our hateful neighbors that treat us bad or our, uh, you know, whomever is giving you trouble. We're not really supposed to be living under that kind of, uh, of, of pressure. We're supposed to be living in the kingdom of God. Now, granted, and I have to say here because um, I, I think some people can misunderstand, there is such a thing as a spiritual kingdom of God. Jesus talked about it. And where did he say it was? Do you remember? He said the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Well, isn't that where the seed of Christ is? Yes, that's where it is as well. So we have the kingdom of God within us. Now there is a time when the kingdom of God is going to come on the earth in physical form. Uh, but right now, he has no legal right to it uh, because uh, the, the ruler of this world has not been, um, has not been conquered uh, by the onslaught of uh, uh, the, the armies of Christ that are going to come at the end of this world and redeem this world. You know, redeeming this world was as much a part of, of the plan of salvation as you being saved. It was a part of it. Um, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, not only is God fairly upset about the fact that he lost his man that he loves so much, but he also lost the dirt that we live on. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he lost it all. The day that he turned everything in this world over to Adam, and Adam turned it all over to Satan. It, remember, we talked about Satan at the, at the temptations, and the kingdoms of this world, they're mine. They were given unto me, and I'll give them to whomsoever I will. When did that happen? When Adam did what Satan said to do. See, when you obey, when you obey, when you obey, you listening? When you obey, that is worship. When you obey, that's worship. When you obey, (laughs) all right, I get it, I get it. Well, do you get it? Because I know that when it comes time to worship God, everybody's willing to raise their hand. Everybody's willing to boo-hoo a little bit or sing a song, beller out a song or two. And we call that worship, and we have congregational singing, and we have all the things that we call worship. But, you know, true worship is doing what you're told to do. That's how we worship God. That's how we, that's how we make him uh, our ruler. That's how we succumb to him as our ruler, our sovereign, our king, by obeying him, by doing what he says to do. Jesus says... Uh, that uh, you know what you can you can be my disciples, if you. If you, do as I say. I know these are very unpopular thoughts in the day of easy believism 
and all you got to do is believe, and God doesn't care what you do. He only cares what you believe. It's all hogwash, friends. It's all hogwash. There's no truth in it at all. He's saying that to make himself feel better. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about you. It's him. He's the one that's wanting to feel better about living some lavish lifestyle or doing whatever it is he wants to do and not being a servant to God and considering himself to be better than people or establishing a hierarchy in his church and ignoring the words of Jesus that one is your teacher, me, and all of you are brethren. He knows that. He read it in his Bible. Why isn't he preaching it? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy him. So what's he telling us to do? Just believe. No, no, no. That's not going to bring about the kingdom of God. What is going to bring the kingdom of God in its fullness on this earth? It's going to be the subjects of the kingdom of God, me, you, everybody, doing what we're told to do. Now, when we do that, what we're going to find is almost no reward whatsoever. Why? Because the kingdom of God, well, let's just see what Jesus said. He says, whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it's sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it's sown, it groweth up and become greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Friend, this is a principle about the kingdom of God. It's a principle about business. It's a principle about your family, about your marriage, about the growth of your children. This is a principle that is underlying almost every operation of life. It starts out very, very small. So as you seek the voice of God, don't look for the heavens to shake. Don't look for gold letters printed in the sky. Don't look for uh, him to overtake your life and falling out under the power or having visions or uh, don't look for that kind of thing everything starts out small why why would he do that if you were to have a vision perhaps a prophecy perhaps the lord revealed some something to you gave you a revelation an earth-changing earth-shattering revelation do you know none of us could live with you tomorrow we wouldn't even want you to be around. You would be yammer, yammer, yammering about how what a wonderful person you are and, and how God's chosen you among all the rest and setting yourself on a pedestal. It would absolutely destroy your life. Probably take your soul. So what is he doing? He's giving us a little bit at a time. Is he not? Why is that? Because he knows that he that's faithful in a little will be faithful in a lot. And that's just... The, he, he's just the perfect father. He knows exactly how to do this. He, he knows exactly how to raise us, if you will, to, so that whether, he, whether we live under a curse or a blessing, we're not going to be destroyed. Whether he gives us riches or he sees fit to allow the, the worst of tragedies to come into our life, we're not going to be destroyed. We're going to walk through this thing. We're going to do it well. Why? Because of that little seed that started. Because you decided somewhere along your life, I'm not going to go my way anymore. I'm going to go the Lord's way. I'm going to make friends with God. I want to I be, be friends. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need somebody else chasing me. 
and especially not him. Uh, so I'm going to do what he says. Well, friend, that's a really good idea. But what you're going to find is, is there's going to be a microscopic seed planted in you at that point. And it's up to us to live righteously. Not, I didn't say sinlessly. Get that out of your thinking. We've talked about this. But to live righteously, to create an environment for that seed to grow. And grow, it will. And grow into Christ in you. The mystery that has been hid since the foundation of the world. This was his intention from the very beginning to be in us. Now, if you'll notice, um, at the first Pentecost, the one where the law was given uh, at Mount Sinai, when the law was um, being given from that mountain, it almost destroyed, and, and, and the Lord admitted later, well, yeah, I guess these people are right. If, if they hear these laws, look at themselves in the light of my glory and who I am, it probably will kill them. So I'll tell you what you do, Moses. Let's just write them down on rock, and we'll hand them to them, and uh, you can explain it as we go. But they're not ready to do this. Well, at the second Pentecost, you are going to find that uh, that was not the case at all. The Spirit of God came and came into these people, and because they were ready for it, because they had matured, because the seed was no longer a seed, it wasn't a mustard seed anymore. It was growing into a tree. It was, it was maturing. It was becoming something great. And all because Jesus Christ was on the earth showing this, how this is to be done. It's a beautiful story, and it ends in a beautiful way. And that is that the Spirit of God actually did come inside these beings these, these 120 people that were waiting at Pentecost to receive the gift from on high. This is the very same spirit that fell on the children of Israel at Sinai that almost destroyed them, that almost killed them. How could the very same spirit that was, was killing them at one time fill them to the overflowing the second time with joy that was, that was so evident... It was evident to people who were bystanders and, and actually designated the entire group of people in there as drunk. How could that have happened? How, what is the difference? Did he mix up a new uh, um, concoction of spirit? Was it different? Absolutely not. It was the same spirit. But one was planted in a barren ground. There was no seed of Christ there. Christ hadn't even made himself available. He couldn't make himself available to, to, the, to the sinful people of that day. Sin had to be, had to be dealt with. He, the sacrifices needed to be made. There were so many things that had to be done. And, and, and as soon as he did that, as, I mean, and, and died that Passover, that Pentecost, 50 days after, uh, that, that Pentecost that occurred, there were people there that the seed of Christ had been in. And it had, it had taken root. It had, it, gestation had, be, had, uh, had commenced. And these people were ready to receive the Spirit of God. And receive it, they did. And it changed their entire lives and gave them power beyond anything they understood. 
okay, what is this all about? Just relax. Just take it easy. You know, nothing's going to, there's, there's no such thing as an instantaneous baptism in the Spirit, instantaneous salvation, instantaneous knowing all that God has to tell us. There's no instantaneous um, understand, uh, having uh, possession of the wisdom of God instantaneously. None of this stuff is instantaneous. None of it is. There's a principle in our world. It's, it's conception and pregnancy and gestation and birth. It's the seed that goes into the ground and is, is pushed into the dirt. And two or three days later, two or three days later, you might see a little cotyledon pop up out of the soil. And there it is. Right there it is. What happened? Well, the seed was planted. And you had to wait. And you had to water. And you had to make an environment for that seed that wasn't hostile to its, uh, to its fertilization, to its, um, to its uh, uh, germination and coming out of the ground. And sure enough, there it is. Here's what I want you to know, that if you do turn around today and you say, you know, I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go God's way. And so what he says, go. He tells me to keep his commandments. I'm going to keep his commandments. Do you realize at that point, by the way, according to Ezekiel, uh, you have just made yourself safe. There is nothing for you to worry about after that point. I'm not one who believes that we need to, you know, get saved today and worry about losing it tomorrow. No, no, no. But, I mean, his promise was, you go my way, I'll never remember anything you ever did wrong. You know, the first time I read that, I thought, are you sure about that? <laughs> That's not much of a deal on your part. I've done a lot of things wrong. Speaking to a God who is well aware I don't know why we do that, but I was, I, was, I was just taken aback by the whole thing. And um, so when we do do that, nothing instantaneously has happened except that the capareth, the covering, the atonement of our, of our sin. Our sins are covered. Why? So that God can speak to us, so that he can be a part of our life. Because as long as these sins are exposed, you know, what did he say? My arm's not too short that I can't reach and grab you. My ear's not heavy that it can't hear you cry. But your sins have separated between you and your God. So these sins, how could they be forgiven? Christ hasn't even died yet. I mean, we're talking about in the Old Testament situation. How could, how could they be forgiven? If Christ hasn't died and the sacrifice has not been made, what are we going to do? It's called atonement. Atonement's not forgiveness. Atonement is covering. And just like the fig leaves uh, covered the obvious nakedness of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, the atonement covers the sins that are exposed in us and embarrass us in front of God and, and really create a, a situation between us and our God that cannot be maintained. A communicative relationship, it can't be maintained. So what do we need to do? We need to be, need to be covered. And we need to, that needs to be set aside. Well, he made that provision for us. So that, as, um, as we decide to go his way, instantly, your sins are atoned. He'll never remember anything you've ever done wrong. But it ain't over, friend. It's not over. You've got tons of work to do. There's all kinds of things that need to happen in your life. Well, I'm pretty happy. 
you know, I've been saved for 40 years and everything's just fine. Is it really? Can I talk to your wife about that? Let me ask, let me ask, see how happy she is. Or perhaps I can talk to your children. Oh, you don't know three out of five children's phone numbers? Look, you're no different than the rest of us. We've all got these kinds of problems. But you see, your kids, your grandchildren, uh, people around you, people that love you, you people you love, they're all waiting for you to be a Christian. And some of them just can't wait anymore. And so they're gone. Now, does that bother you? Or are you just going to bathe in the fact that, that you're going to heaven when you die or whatever little fairy tale you've made up in your head? Friend, it's time for us to change. It's time for us to be different. Not only act different, but have within us whatever it takes to be different. We need to be different kinds of people than we are. Have you ever, met, you ever run across somebody that's really good at doing something that you'd like to be good at doing? I see somebody playing the piano, and I've, and I've said to whoever happens to be standing next to me at the time, I said, man, if I could play that like that, I would do that all the time. And uh, we'll come to find out that's how you get to play like that, is by doing it all the time. You ever seen anybody that excels in an area that you wish you excelled in? It's because they put effort into it. Ah, okay, natural talent, I get all that, I understand that. But, you know, do you want to be understanding? You need the understanding of God. You need to be understood. Do you want to forgive? You need to be forgiven. One of the reasons you have so much trouble forgiving other people is because you've never been forgiven. You don't have any experience with forgiveness at all. Don't even know what it is. Well, you're going to know it by the time we walk through all this red ink. It's going to be real apparent to you. You're also going to find that without it, you don't have a chance. There is no way you're going to see the kingdom of God unless you know how to forgive people. Friend, the best way to know how to forgive people is not to read your Bible and learn how. It's not to go to Sunday school and learn how. It's not to watch your best friend do it and do whatever he does. The best way to do that is to be forgiven. So if you find yourself falling off into some embarrassing sin, there's lesson number one. You're going to have to go to the Lord, and you're going to have to be forgiven for that. And, uh, but you see, it's all for your good. He will work all these things out to our good. That's what the Scripture means when it says to give thanks in all things. That's what it means when it says that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. That's what it means. It doesn't mean we're not going to suffer tragedy, but tragedy is not going to suck life out of us. We're going to be better because of it. That's exciting to me. How do we do all this? By taking time every day to hear the voice of God. And if you do that, you know, don't look for the thunderclap. Don't look for to look outside the window after a lightning strike and see a huge mustard tree growing in your backyard. Now, the truth is, it's going to be very, very tiny seed that you're going to have to take care of. Okay, it's time for us to go. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Think Red Ink. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com 
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.